Sarayim Tov, we continue in Megillah Esther and Perak Test, Chapter 9, Pasuk Yud Days, number 12. We're with the commentary of the Mechir Yayin of the Ramah as we're looking at the story as a metaphor for the life of the Jew. And we've been discussing how in one's old age it is um, more possible to destroy the negative forces. And we, by hanging the 10 sons of Haman from a pole, we take those 10 uh, energy sources and get them connected to Torah. And now the king is going to discuss a new issue over here. And the new issue will be as follows. Pasuk Yud Beis. The king said to Queen Esther in Shushan Abira, he says in Shushan, the capital of Jews slew and destroyed 500 men. And the 10 sons of Haman. Now, the focus now becomes what, 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 what has been done in the rest of the king's provinces. Okay. So now, that's a kind of an interesting question. And what is your petition? What else do you want to be done? So what is he saying to Esther over here? Well, again, the metaphor, if in Shushan Abira they killed 500 people and the 10 sons of Omen, as we explained, that the king now realizes he's, re, he's living the years of descent and his, and his power is diminishing and the physical body, the Homer, is diminishing. And now he asks, What happened in the other provinces? Now, we earlier learned about the provinces, and we said that was an allusion to the times of elevation, Aliyah of Naras, Vamidoso, and him standing in his place. Those are the good, better years. And he asks, so in those years, what have we done? What was done? Because really during those years, when you're young and strong and you're, you're, you're steady, you should be leaving something, putting something away for your old age. In other words, just like, and you see that everything in this world parallels in some way this. This whole idea of having an RSP, creating a nest egg, which is in the physical realm, should only be t- t- telling us what's the nest egg that we have in the spiritual realm. And therefore, what is going to keep us going in our old age? And he's saying, well, what did the other provinces do? In other words, what, what, I see what we could do when we're old, but what did I do when I was young? And therefore, he says to Esther, since uh, that, what have the other provinces done to help me now? So what can we do over here? Okay, that's what he's he's saying. Maybe you could find a way. In other words, um, maybe we could uh, use the Esther, the Homer. In other words, I'm 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 dying. And what could I eat? What could I drink? What could I do to keep myself alive at this point? I didn't take care of myself so well in my youth, and therefore my life is going to end. I don't want it to end. I want it to be longer. 
So what can be done? And that's Esther. She's the Homer. What can we do with the Homer to keep ourselves alive more? So in Pasuk Yed Gimel, Esther says, If it please the king, let tomorrow too be granted to the Jews, which are in Shushan, to do as today's decree, and let them hang Haman's ten sons on the gallows. Obviously, again. So what does it mean? How do you hang them again? They're already hanging. So again, the uh, Ramah says that he's already told us that Esther is the primary one to give etzes, to give advice to because Esther represents the senses. And the body senses the feelings more than the seichel. And then the seichel can learn from the body. So Esther says that you know what, I've heard and I've seen that you can't do anything to keep a person alive forever. Especially, you can't provide a person with sustenance if uh, if you haven't really done that throughout your whole life. And, you know, you could try all kinds of other things, but it's not going to work. So he gives an analogy. Let's say you have a big bottle of wine. And what do you do? You put a little bit, you start to drink a little of the wine, but you want the wine bottle to be full, so you put a little water in it. Okay, now water is very weak compared to wine. It doesn't make a big change right away. But if day after day after day after day, you add a little bit of water to the wine, what's going to happen by the end of the day? It's all going to be water. So, therefore... A person in their life, as every day passes, the vitality, the moisture inside of a person, soon soon the person you were when you were 20, you're not that person when you're 70. You know, your skin is not so supple. Your hair is not there. Or it's white. The heart isn't as good as it used to be. And we know that effect because you're the, what do you call it, uh, the... uh, Atoms, all the, uh, you know, it no changes. They die and new ones come. You get different ones, but they're not as strong as they used to be. Okay? And therefore, what's going to happen, your life gets diluted to such a point that all the things you're doing, you're, you're, you're investing in food and this and that and all these things. So Esther's saying, there's nothing you can do to keep yourself alive. As you get older, there's nothing you could do to stay keep yourself alive. But there's only one thing I could do that if tomorrow means to me tomorrow, meaning on a daily basis, just like today, the Jews were able to overcome their enemies. And we know who the Jews are, we know who the enemies are. The Jew in this story really is the Jew who develops his seichel. And the enemies are the Yetzirah and his soldiers. If the Jew tomorrow We'll do like today, where we'll defeat the enemies and the ten sons of Haman will be hung on a tree. And the Torah commands us, uh, the tree is the Torah and the mitzvahs, that if we continue to do this on a daily basis, and even though your strength will go away, but if you keep on connecting yourself to the Torah and keep fighting, you'll be able to get to a point in life where you will, now if you're like an Elio Hanavi, you could live forever. But everyone else, what you could do is, you could at least give yourself eternal life in the next world.
You can't keep your physical body together. And that's, fr that's really scary because your life will end. She's saying, you know, I can't keep you physically alive forever, but I could keep you spiritually alive forever if you fight on a daily basis. The daily fight with the Yetzirah will give you the ability to keep yourself eternally connected to the tree of life. And even when your body will no longer exist, your essence will continue to live in the next world. That's the advice I can give you. The king says, it should be done. And the decree was given in Shushan and the hang Haman's ten sons again. Meaning to say, we're going to follow the Torah, we're going to have all our feelings and emotions be dictated by the Torah, and that's how we hang those sons, those emotions, again. And there's something else that the Jews, so that was what he said. And therefore, so now what happens? So Pasuk Tesvav. So now the Jews who were in Shushan assembled on the 14th day of Ador as well, and they slew in Shushan 300 men, but upon the spoils, they did not lay their hands. So they did as was said. But now there's a new aspect that's put over here. You want to live forever. It's true. But we're going to try to kill that Yetzirah. But we're going to find out that there's other benefits you can get. Okay. So we, we mentioned that how important it is to kill the sons of Haman, etc., etc. To get to the total desire and result that even when he's alive, you know what you're going to be able to achieve? Not only will you have a spirituality that will have your soul live on forever, but if you really work on your Yetzirah, you'll be able to receive the divine spirit of prophecy. We'll come to you. And anyone who... Uh, deals with this on a regular basis can do that as it says prophecy does not come to someone unless he is wise strong wealthy and very spiritual and we discussed a couple days ago those are the four perfections that a person would like to reach to be able to reach that level therefore the torah the navi says nikalu kolayehudim all the jews gathered together meaning to say if you gather up all the qualities that you have in wisdom and everything else on the 14th day of Adar, which they did, I already said that the word Ador refers to the, the glory of Torah we mentioned. And 14 is a hand, 14 is Gematria uh, Yud Dalid, which is a hand. And that is a symbolic of Nevoah, where it says, Vatehi Yad Hashem Eli. The hand of Hashem was upon me and I got a prophecy. And therefore the Jews in Shushan, they, they, they did this because just like the world in general is called Shushan Habira, that's the big capital, but that's the whole world. But Shushan, here it just says Shushan, is a hint to Eretz Yisrael. Because Eretz Yisrael is a place of sauce, happiness, things like that. And therefore, the Jews in Shushan merited prophecy, but not in other lands, because we know prophecy does not rest outside of the land of Israel. So in other words, if we constantly fight the Yetzirah and we push away the desire for physicality, if we can be that successful, 
We can even achieve a state of Ruach HaKodesh. On the 14th day, which is a hit to the time of prophecy, the hand of Hashem is upon the person. You can even achieve prophecy if you live in Eretz Yisrael. If you're not, we'll see what happens. Now, it's very interesting. Where is more symbolism over here? It says they killed in Shushan 300 men. What is the insight of 300? So it's saying they killed 300 people to show that they reached a virtuous level to the extent that like, it, it kills Bilaam, who's compared to 300. And, he te- and it, it's a bit of a stretch here because the words that say Shalosh Meos, 300, really you got the word Shalosh, which is three, and then you got it connected to 100. So he works out a gematria and it's like it says Shalosh, Shalosh Meos. Three, 300 is on one hand three, but then it's connected to 100. It makes it 300. So he says the gematria of Shalosh and Shalosh Meos comes out to the words Bilam Hacholem Ubinvua, the Bilam who dreams and has prophecy. And therefore he was called a Navi, even though he really wasn't a Navi. He was really a sorcerer. And there's a whole discussion as to why the Torah says there were nobody came up, will come be Israel Kamosha. Nobody got up to be a prophet like Moshe. But the Gemara says nobody got up like from the Jews, but from the Goyim there was. And one of them was a Bilam. And the truth of the matter is, really? Do you want to say he, that that terrible person was a prophet? We know a prophet has to have all kinds of spiritual levels. So there's a lot of answers to this question, but the Ramos suggests it doesn't mean he was a prophet. It says, it, it didn't say, Velo come Navi Kamosha. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, it says, Velo come Navi Kamosha, but it didn't say, Lahaya Navi Kamosha. It doesn't say there was no prophet like Moshe. It doesn't say nobody got up like Moshe. Oh, Meaning to say that Bilaam got up, but not necessarily as a Navi. In other words, whatever level he was on as a Shmo, he got to a higher level of Shmoness. But he was never a Navi. And it's similar to Moshe who reached levels of Navua and very high levels, and he got higher levels than other people. In other words, Bilaam was higher than every other Goy. Moshe is higher than every other Jew. So Bilaam got certain gifts of some idea of uh, sorcery, but not really an Avi. And that's what it means. He got, no, that Lokum Kemosha. Well, it's more through sorcery. It's a debate over here. There's different opinions. It's just sorcery. So he's called a Navi, but not really. But therefore, we're saying that they killed 300 people. I Means It's like they killed Bilaam. And they reached levels of prophecy. And you know why? Because the Apostle says, They didn't cast their hands on the loot because they weren't running after money. You got to remember, if you run after money, you can't really be a prophet. Just like we know, Elisha, the prophet, didn't want to have any benefits from Naaman, the general, who wanted to give him gifts, and Shmuel didn't want to get gifts from others. So... In a bit of a roundabout way, the Ramah is telling us that when they killed the 300 salt peeps of people, it means they um, were better than Bilaam and they reached some stage of prophecy. 
And that what he's saying is a person can merit prophecy by killing his Yetzirah. And even and better than Bilam. And we can rise. We can rise to a level we couldn't believe. And that Bilam did have. Bilam rose to a level more than he normally could have gotten, but it wasn't much of a level. Just like Moshe rose to a level that was beyond what he could normally do. So each and every one of us can rise and, you know, when we had a base of English, you could really be a prophet. Not everybody can. But you got to remember another thing, that prophecy can only happen in Eretz Yisrael, not outside of Eretz Yisrael. So in Tosik Tesvav, it said that the Jews in Shushan, which is a symbolism of Eretz Yisrael, they gathered up on the 14th and killed people, 300, and they reached now a level of prophecy. Because you're in Eretz Yisrael, if you're a Jew and you live in Eretz Yisrael, you can reach higher levels when when it's possible to reach prophecy. But in Pusik's Tezayin, it says, and the rest of the Jews who were in the king's provinces assembled and protected themselves and had rest from their enemies and slew their foes, 75,000. But upon the spoil, they did not lay their hands. But that was... Not on the other days, that was on the 13th. So it's reviewing that what happened, that we found out what happened in Shushan. They got an extra day, but the other Jews, well, they fought on their day, which was the 13th, and killed, killed 70,000 people and did not go after the loot. So what does that mean? That the other Jews and outside of Israel, they can't reach levels of Nevoah. That's hinted on the 14th. The Jews in Shushan on the 14th were killing. That means they were advancing, advancing to prophecy. The ones, and the other ones, just the 13th, they didn't reach prophecy because they live outside of Eretz Yisrael. Okay, but they could still gather together to reach levels of wisdom and to kill their enemies. Just like it says, Gemara says, if this disgusting Yitzhahara comes to try to make you to sin, Bring him into the base Mandrish. Teach, learn Torah. That'll get rid of him. And that's hinted in where it says, five, Hamisha, five, Veshivim, and seventy, Elif, thousands. Five is a symbolism of the five books of the Torah. Seventy is their seventy faces to the Torah. Elif, thousand, comes to word Elif, to learn and to teach. So therefore, the rest of them, they were able to save their souls and destroy their Yetzirah because they developed much higher levels of wisdom, not prophecy. But you could also advance. And again, they did not touch the loot because if you do that, if you get involved in that, you're not going to be involved in, in intellectual pursuits that when you're busy collecting money, you're not busy learning Torah. So what he's basically saying is when the Jews, when the Jew fights back in his older age, depending where you live, you can have greater success. In Eretz Yisrael, it can even be possible to have Nevoah. And that's hinted to by fighting also on the 14th. And now you reach levels of Nevoah. Well, the others only fought on the 13th. They can reach higher levels of intellect. But they're never going to get Nevoah. And that's what he continues in Pasuk Zion. On the 13th day of Adar. So this was all the, uh, the other Jews. The other Jews on the 13th of Adar did this. And they rested on the 14th and made feasting and joy. So th those who live outside of Eretz Yisrael, you don't have that Kedusha. You fight on the 13th. You rest on the 14th. You party on the 14th. What does all that mean? So when it says the word 
v'noach, and they rested. The Rambam explains noach means something stops. Like it says in creation, vayonach Hashem rested on the seventh day. What does it mean he rested? He stopped creating. So something stopped. So what stops? So something, so over here, the Jews outside of Israel, they are not able to get past the 13th, which remember we discussed 13 is, is understanding ideas about Hashem, believing in Hashem, um, uh, 13 attributes of mercy, 13 uh, uh, definitions of what Hashem is and Anima means. So they're able to do that. And they're able to do that and to overcome Haman. But when it comes to 14, to prophecy, Nahud, stop, we can't make it to prophecy. So you can't get it anymore. You had a good understanding intellectually and you understand what to do. You're able to defeat your Yetzirah. But are you going to get to prophecy? No, you're not going to get to prophecy. So what do they do on the 14th? Instead of fighting and getting to prophecy, they make a feast. And what's that hinting to? It's hinting to the great feast that will happen in the world to come when we eat from the Leviathan and the wine that is specially waiting for us. Meaning to say through that feasting that will be later on in the next world, you'll get much higher concepts which you could not understand in this world. And that's where you have the food and the wine and all these things that make your mind more open to understand more ideas. And that's what happens. So a person, when you fight in your lifetime, and you're not in Eretz Yisrael, so there's only so far you can go and you can get great understanding, but there'll be the day on your 14th, which means in the world to come, will be the great feast of the Leviathan. If you, if you fight, and you succeed, you will be able to achieve that level. But in Pasuk 18, and the Jews who were in Shushan assembled on the 13th and on the 14th and rested on the 15th and made it a day of feasting and joy. So what does that mean? The Jews of Shushan, remember, those are the Jews in Israel. They gathered on the 13th to develop their wisdom. Okay, on the 13th. And on the 14th to reach higher levels of even maybe prophecy. But then it stopped on the 15th. What's the 15th? 15th, the Gematria 50 is Yud, hey. That means to really understand, to see Hashem. The unknown things. And that part, they, they can't do that. Hashem says, nobody can see me and live. So what do they do? They make a party on the 15th because they're not able to achieve that, but they'll have their party with the Leviathan and they'll understand more than the others because they have some aspects of prophecy which will be higher. And uh, they'll understand more, but not totally Hashem. And that's what we're saying is, is what happens when you get to your old age. Can't live forever. Don't try to live forever in your old age. But what you can do, remember we said, do a Kiddush Hashem to fix up things you did in the past that can't be fixed up. Continue to study Torah. Continue to grow. And to get to points where you normally could not get to, but now you can because you don't have the eights or her in your way. And therefore, you will, when you leave this world, you will eternally live. And then there'll be a time to party. And there'll be different levels of parties based on how far you're able to take things in your life. And now we discuss an interesting thing. We now know there's a difference between those who were in walled cities and in open cities. Torah says, and the Parsecutes, therefore the Jewish villagers who live in open towns, it says, 
it's first called Hayyudim Haprazim. Kind of that Yehudim, the Jews who are open. Now, I really should have said the Jews. It then says Hayoshvim process who live in open cities. Why did it just say the Jews who live in open cities? It says the open Jews who live in open cities. Open city means it's not walled. Very unusual. So what do they do nowadays? If you're in an open city, we celebrate on the 14th. Simcha, Mishta, Yamtuf, Mishloch Manos. Now all of us do this. But why did it say the, the Jews who are open? Just say the Jews who live in open city. The answer is what we're discussing. Now we're talking about how we're going to celebrate. And let's try to understand what holidays are about. Holidays, the actual mitzvah observance of holidays is to remind us of things. Pesach reminds us of going out of Egypt. Shavuos reminds us of getting the Torah. Sukkot for the Shem for and Sukkot. What are we supposed to be remembering on Purim? And this really is, is getting to the heart of the matter. So according to Ramah, there's many answers. But according to Ramah, is to know what the message of the story is. And what's the story of Purim if it's a story of the soul? It comes to the word Purim because it says, we'll see later, because of the poor, because of the lottery. Or it also could mean Hashem is my lot. David says, Hashem minas gorali. Hashem is my lottery. And the point being that there are those who have concepts that are beyond them. They can't always understand. We have a certain lot and you have to be satisfied with your lot. Remember, we said there's certain things people cannot understand that are beyond them. The regular person can't get to prophecy. The one who can be a prophet can't get to really understanding exactly what Hashem is. And that is our lot. And we have to realize that we have to be happy with our lot and know how far you can go. And then it goes a little further and it says, and the Jews, the open Jews, what do you mean the open Jews? Meaning the Jew who has not completed himself. He's open, open means he's still open for attack. He doesn't have a wall, doesn't have complete defense. And that's how Shlomo Melech can compare certain people to an open city without a wall to stop. And they were saying the Jews who are the open Jews, not who just live in an open city. What do they do? They make the 14th to celebrate what? The person who's not perfected with the ultimate perfection. But the 14th is the day of Yontif, Mishta, and Simcha to remember that this is all possible for us. We celebrate every year on the 14th, even if we're not going to reach the highest levels. Even if you're an open Jew, you're a Jew who's still not complete. You haven't sealed the deal. You're not solidly locked in. But there's still what to celebrate. You too will have the Feast of the Leviathan on your level to what you understand, although it won't be prophecy. But those who are in walled cities, the perfected person, he will celebrate on the 15th because the 15th means that idea where you have prophecy. And he'll celebrate that. So that really means every Jew celebrates Purim for what they can achieve. And even though you, you, your lot in life is not to hit the, 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 the bullseye, your lot in life is not to be a prophet. 
What do I have to celebrate? There's still plenty to celebrate. You've conquered your Yetzirah. You've accomplished a lot. And there'll be a day where you will even sit at the Feast of the Leviathan. And that's what Purim is reminding us. And if you're in a walled city, oh, then you've hit higher levels. You got prophecy, but you don't really know the essence of Hashem. You will get more at that feast as well. And then it says, Simcha sending gifts one to another person. That is what we said in the Parsha class this week. That is acts of kindness that goes to the poor or to the rich. Matanas goes to the poor, Mishlachmanus goes to the rich, and that is a tzedakah that keeps us all alive eternally. And now he goes off to the side and says, he gives a number of interpretations to the fact that Gemara says a person is obliged to get drunk on Purim until he doesn't know the difference between Or Haman and Baruch Mordechai. So he says like this, this is like the Nimshal. At the Suda's Purim that we have, it's just really symbolic of the Suda in Oilam Ha. You have to think, we're going to be sitting at the meal of the Leviathan. We have wine, whatever that means esoterically. The Leviathan, which we already talked about, is combining the Seichel with the uh, with, with, with one of the earliest classes, the Seichel with the Chomer. You, you put it all together. Liv Yosun, one accompanies the other. Purim is the time where we can step into that world of the future. And you know what? You get so drunk. In that world, in this world, you see differences between Haman and Mordechai. We see that. But when we're going to be in the next world with the meal of the Leviathan, there's going to be no Haman in the world. There's going to be no Yates or Har in the world. And therefore, we're not going to know the difference between Haman and Mordechai because there's going to be no Haman. You have to drink until the point where you can't see the difference between Haman and Mordechai. Why? Because there's no Haman. If there's no Haman, there's no difference. Like being less critical? No, there's just no Haman. When you live in a world where Haman seems real, you got to now discriminate between Haman and Mordechai. But if you drink enough, meaning at the party of the Leviathan, where you're going to be drinking in spirituality, if your Yetzirah is destroyed, you've drunk so much that you now do not know the difference between blessed is Mordechai and Christom because Haman's not there. He's not there, then there's no difference. Now, you get a deeper insight what the Sudas Purim is about. The Sudas Purim, you want to reach a stage, there is no Haman. Every day of the year we have to fight with Haman. Now, don't you see something beautiful? The Gomorrah says, Yom Kippurim. Yom Kippur is like Purim. Now, what does the Gomorrah tell us in the revealed Torah? In the Gomorrah, it says, Hasata the Satan. It's Gematria 364. Satan can prosecute 364 days, but not on Yom Kippur. That's in the revealed Torah. But if Yom Kippur is like Purim, if it's like Purim, it means Purim is greater. Isn't there one more day where Satan can't prosecute? Purim. If Yom Kippur is like Purim, but Purim is greater, and Sutton can't prosecute on Yom Kippur, he can't prosecute on Purim. If he can't prosecute on Purim, why? Because we're entering the world of the Feast of the Leviathan. There is no Haman. You have to drink until you realize you can't see the difference between Haman and Mordechai. Why? Because there is no Haman. 
You drink to that point. Drinking in spirituality. You get drunk on spirituality. You're so drunk, you see that Haman is so nothing. He doesn't exist anymore. You've totally incorporated everything he has and you've hung him on the, the tree for so long that all you get is good from that. And that's what he's saying. And that's what Purim is a day where if we do it properly, the Sultan has no power over us at all. <clears throat> and we celebrate the future great meal in the world to come. That was one idea. Another interpretation, he says, you got to get drunk until you don't know the difference. But if you do know the difference, meaning this is Bar Haman, there's still a Haman in my life, then you shouldn't drink. Because <laughs> if you drink, you're going to get in trouble. In other words, you could drink when when you don't know the difference between Haman and Mordechai. Okay? But when you know Mishiyana, when you know there is a Mordechai, you shouldn't get drunk. Meaning to say, in your youth, when uh, you don't really... Uh, uh, no. You know, that, that's not a time to drink. Okay, I believe that's what he's saying. You have to drink until you don't know the difference. But when you know the difference, you shouldn't drink. So he's saying, he's saying to drink dafka in your, in your youth when you don't know the difference. But when you get older and you understand the essence of Haman and Mordechai, and you understand Mordechai, there's no need to drink anymore. Okay, it's a little bit no, tri no, tricky. What do you, yeah. So uh, uh, he, again, he's saying he's saying you, you 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 drink until you don't know the difference, but when you know the difference, you can't drink. Yeah. So what? So what? What's really happening is people dafka. Here's the point he's saying. So when do people drink? They can't tell the difference between Haman. And Mordechai, and that's why they drink. They drink because they don't know the difference and they fall into the problems. When you get older and you understand the difference in Haman and Mordechai, and one is the Seichel, so you don't drink anymore because you're not going to make that mistake. I believe that's what he's saying. But I like the first shot better. The, 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 the first shot works a lot better because we're going to have that great meal of the Leviathan and there is no difference. Okay, it's after 2 o'clock. we yeah. got to stop. Oh, you I'm sure they're all waiting for me. That is not good.